This is the Lions Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. It's not for the faint-hearted, but the chosen few who've embraced the call to leadership, dare to venture where others will not, and believe in God's supernatural power. Join Carl Joseph now for a life-changing word. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. Let's continue our study of the nine spiritual gifts, and today we will discuss the gift of prophecy. Let's read our key passage together once more. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now the gift of prophecy is the first of the three utterance gifts, as I've discussed previously, with the others being diverse tongues and interpretation. Of the three utterance gifts, prophecy is the best gift, and I will prove it with Scripture. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 14.5. I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues. This shows that to speak with tongues and to interpret is equivalent to prophecy. And without interpretation in a public setting, tongues can cause confusion to the people present. Therefore, prophecy is really the most important of the three gifts of inspiration or utterance in that it does not require another gift to complete it. Therefore, by definition, prophecy is supernatural utterance in a known tongue. In contrast, divers' tongues, which is a supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue, and interpretation of tongues is a supernatural showing forth of that which has been said in an unknown tongue. The Hebrew meaning of the phrase to prophesy is to flow forth. It also carries with it the connotation to bubble forth like a fountain, to let drop, lift up, to tumble forth, and to spring forth. The Greek word that's translated prophesy means to speak for another. So to prophesy can mean to speak on behalf of another, and in this case that would be God, or being God's spokesman. One thing I want to make very clear today is the difference between the prophetic office and the gift of prophecy. These are two distinct things. With the simple gift of prophecy, there is no revelation. Remember, to prophesy as the Bible defines it is to comfort, exhort, and edify, as it states in 1 Corinthians 14.3. But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. And in another instance, the Apostle Paul tells us that we should covet to prophesy. In 1 Corinthians 14.39, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, and forbid not to speak with tongues. If Paul is telling us to earnestly desire or strongly desire to prophesy, then it must be important. And the reason it's so important is because it's such a blessing to other people. Note also, Paul said to forbid not speaking with tongues. So he honored this gift also within a public setting as long as it was administered correctly as to avoid confusion. Paul goes on to discuss these gifts in more detail in the same chapter. And I quote from 1 Corinthians 14.22. 
Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Did you catch that, friend? Supernatural usage of tongues, or speaking in an unknown tongue, can be a sign to the unbeliever that God's working in the midst of the congregation, although he may not be edified by it, because he has no understanding with his natural mind. However, prophecy is for the believer, that's us, because it edifies, comforts, and exhorts us in a language we do understand, as I've stated. Now, the word exhort is not always obvious to us in the modern vernacular. In the Greek, it actually means a calling near to God or an invitation. When you're prophesied to, the fruit of it should be an invitation to draw us closer to God and provide comfort. Trouble is, some of the words I've received down the years are more discomforting than comforting. In fact, the church at Thessalonica had so misused the gift of prophecy that these folks at the church almost despised it. I'm reading from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 14 through 21. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Therefore the simple gift of prophecy is to encourage, build up, or comfort someone else. There is no foretelling or predictive aspect of the gift of prophecy, but we're not to despise it. Even if we've had weird words, don't despise the gift. Having said that, the gift of prophecy often accompanies the word of knowledge and word of wisdom as part of the revelation gifts in manifestation. In the office of the prophet, however, as in Old Testament times, especially, very often we find revelation or foretelling does come forth, even through the vehicle of prophecy. In the New Testament, however, we know the office of the prophet is still valid, as one of the offices mentioned in Ephesians 4.11. His primary role today, therefore, as a prophet, is to encourage, exhort, and comfort, but also give warnings, admonitions, rebukes, and corrections in this office. But it's not his primary role. It should be noted the gift of prophecy can operate through anybody in the body of Christ today. You don't have to be in the office of the prophet to do so. But if you're going to prophesy according to the Bible, you better be building people up and loving on folk, not tearing them down and fortune-telling. Along these lines, someone once asked me, How come there's all these prophets here when it's supposed to be a non-profit organization? Sorry, I couldn't resist it. We should also bear in mind that whenever the word of prophecy is given, other prophets are supposed to judge the word in a public setting. In 1 Corinthians 14, 29-33, it says, Let the prophet speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy one by one, that you all may learn and may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Notice it says the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. In other words, as with all gifts, the person may be aware that God wants them to manifest a gift, but ultimately the person still has the choice of whether he wants to be used by God or not to express the gift. In my own life, I've had prophetic words for other people, which I did not give them as I should have. And in some cases, the Lord rebuked me for holding back because it was the fear of man that stopped me. 
Thankfully, these instances are few and far between today. The scripture also says that God is not the author of confusion, but peace. So effectively, the true gift of prophecy still witnesses with the other prophets, and they will all agree it's from God. There will be a consensus between them. If someone's a true prophet standing in the office, he should have all three revelation gifts in operation in his ministry on a continual basis, not just the gift of prophecy. And a true prophet has the authority to correct, rebuke, and admonish people in a public setting. But this is not common. Friend, let me remind you, you can prophesy without being in the office of a prophet. But just make sure you're doing it biblically when you do so. From my experience, serving a loving God who wants to correct us, he will do so privately first. However, if we don't listen to those numerous corrections, God will take it to the next level and rebuke us publicly because of our own stubbornness and lack of repentance. But this is not common and only occurs rarely because God is a gentleman. With this in mind, be very careful of those who call themselves Percival the Prophet or Prophetess Penelope. What I mean by that is, friend, your gift will make room for you. You don't have to go around telling people you're a prophet or prophetess. Let other people figure out who you are by your fruit and gifts in operation. Those who go around promoting themselves usually have an agenda and are probably insecure people. And while we're on the topic, under no circumstances would a real prophet of God ever take money for a word from the Lord. No, sir. I remember a story that Perry Stone told a few years back at a partner meeting. He was at a service in a church in the South, and I won't mention the name of the church, and a so-called prophet of God formed lines for people in the congregation. He said, if you want a word of encouragement, stand in the $10 line. And if you want a word of knowledge, stand in the $50 line. And if you want my personal phone number and a word of wisdom, you can stand in the $500 line. And if you want etc., etc., you can stand in the $1,000 line this person is in serious trouble with the lord if not already this is what i call pimping the gift of god and it's not exclusive to prophesying only many major recording artists who i could mention have gone on to become famous songwriters and performers who started out in the church and learned their craft but later fell away from the lord when the lure of riches came calling i'm sure you know of a few of these too they chose not to glorify god with their gift May I remind you that you don't live your life by prophetic words. You live by faith. God's word and the unction of the Holy Spirit in our hearts is what guides us. If you receive a squirrely word from someone, just put it on the shelf and forget about it. 99% of the time, the words I've received bear witness in my heart with what the Lord has already told me, but not always. So be careful, my friend, because not everyone who claims to be a prophet of God in the office of a prophet always is one. Now, it should also be said that one of the signs of living in the last days prior to Christ's return is that we may prophesy. Remember what the Apostle Peter said after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, Yea, men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known to you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. That's about nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
friend, the widespread manifestation of the gift of prophecy is a sign of Christ's imminent return. There should be a widespread aspect of this gift in operation in the last days. And we need to be a part of it. We should never take the gifts of the Holy Spirit for granted as well, because they're supernatural in origin. I also believe the gifts of the Spirit are the powers of the world to come, mentioned in Hebrews 6, 5. After we've tasted the heavenly gift, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we may move in the powers of the world to come, and those are the gifts. It should also be noted that in some instances where the baptism of the Holy Spirit manifested, some people began to prophesy in addition to speaking with tongues as the initial evidence of that baptism. This occurred in Acts 19.6. Let's read about it now. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. So you see that prophesying is another evidence of being spirit-filled. And there's even evidence that the gift of prophecy can be manifested through certain families more than others who've been faithful to operate in the gift. When the Apostle Paul came to Caesarea on one of his missionary journeys, he visited the house of Philip the Evangelist, and a man who was with him had four daughters who could prophesy. You can read this account in Acts chapter 21. Friend, I hope you're enjoying these sessions on the spiritual gifts. We've covered a fair amount of them already. If you have any questions about the gifts or personal testimonies of where you have been used by the Holy Spirit to bless other people with the gifts of the Spirit, I'd love to hear about your testimonies also. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who has witnessed God's miraculous power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl covers topics such as geopolitics, current affairs, cults, societal trends, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.